Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Fitbit Pod. It's nearly week to weekend time, and one man I like to share the weekends, especially when we're gigging, is the one and only, the Master Chef King, the man who lives in the kitchen now, the one and only Dirk Joe Singer. Thank you, Benjamin. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, you're so good looking. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Seinfeld? Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. Seinfeld. Um, I'm watching it all on Netflix at the moment. I love it. Uh, and also, I put it on like it's a good song. So it's like I'll put it just throughout the house on the Bluetooth speaker. It's the best. It's the best. Kids, kids are into it. you got to be careful because some bits haven't aged well. Yes. Let's leave it at that. Uh, so uh, things to catch up on. So many things, mainly the fact that, A, I'm sneezing not because of any viral issues, but just because I swallowed some rice the wrong way. Uh, oh, but is that a thing? Is that a thing? I, I've heard. Oh, hey, I got a question for you because you eat a lot more rice than I have, or I have in my lifetime. Um, is uh, <laughs> no, no, it's just true. It's a fact. Mm-hmm. You've eaten more rice than I have. Okay, yeah, you simple. you fucking walk around in clogs and tulips longer than I have. And again, f- these are facts. <laughs> <laughs> um, how long until like, can you can you eat rice the next day? How long can you can you wait? Like if you put rice in the fridge, yeah, is that like? Are you put it in the fridge? Then yeah, sure. Next yeah, day, can you eat the next day? Can you eat the day after that? Why? <laughs> because once I ate rice, like maybe two days old, I just got insane food poisoning. Well, that's what I'm saying. Why? Why wouldn't you chuck it out and make a fresh batch? Yeah, I know, true. Well, because um, rice is not, look, here's the thing. There's, you know, there's hungry people in the world and there's, you know, not saying that food shouldn't be respected, but it's like, if it's a line ball, choose not to have. The oh. upside of eating something that is slightly off, sorry, the, the upside that you might be okay versus the downside of food poisoning, never worth it. Well, classic example, I'll give an example. I remember I used to live with one of my best mates, Glenn, and we lived in a house together once. And one day he's like, oh, what do you reckon of this feta? And then I tasted it. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't taste good. He goes, yeah, I reckon it's off. Got food poisoning. So he didn't taste it himself. He got me to taste it and then I got sick. Yeah, because he realizes he lives with a, um, an unintelligent man who was going to oh. just eat, think with his gut first. Oh, it was, the, it was the, harsh. It was harsh. What? That he made you taste it? Yes. It's just like, come on. Well, you should. I mean, I, I guess maybe what it is is it's a sad thing that you trusted your friend and they exactly. let you go. Why should yeah. you, you know, change your view on the world and be an untrustworthy person because someone exactly. let you down? Exactly. And then, um, and then, but uh, I wouldn't try that. I smell. I go. For example, even if it smells slightly off, I'm like, fuck it. You know what? I, I've lost. Say, fish is a good example. I get barramundi, uh, maybe two slices, two pieces sometimes, and then maybe I not cook it immediately the next day. And then on the second day, I'm like smelling it. I'm like, ooh, I don't know. It doesn't smell awful, but it also is just not quite right. I'm like, that's seven dollars or more sometimes that I'm like, ah, oh, what a waste. But I just don't, totally. I just know that, that if it is, you know, especially with something like fish, don't fuck around with fish. No, no, absolutely not. And also like, I mean, we're one to save food and we try, you know, like we, all the, you know, fruits going off, we chop it off, put it in the freezer, you know, we try to save as much food as we can. But mm. once you've experienced food poisoning with children, you become very, very, very careful about what you give them. It's, exactly. not, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I had really? a lovely winery on Sunday here where I am broadcasting from, which is the first time I'm broadcasting from here in a while. It is Western Australia, which so you're we'll still get into. there now. What do you mean? You still there? Are you still at the winery? <laughs> Sorry, I, was, I thought you were referring to WA. I was like, no, I'm in WA, and I was at a winery on on Sunday called Millbrook, uh, and they have a fantastic uh, policy of zero waste. So not only is everything anything that's uh, fruit and vegetable is grown on site. They have a big Amazing. garden and all of that. Everything from their spices and all of that is all on site. They make their own spices and shit, and when it's so that what that means is that the menu has to change every three months because depending on the season the the type of ingredients they can use it changes so for example when we went uh there was no tomatoes because it's not tomato season uh oh. so 
I and so because of it as well, like they have zero waste. So you know, if they've gone through all the ingredients, then yeah, that's off the menu. They don't like buy in advance and things like that. Do they ever run out of ingredients? What happens if nothing's growing? What happens if there's a cyclone and it wipes out the whole garden? What are they going to do then? Uber Eats. <laughs> um, apparently, one of my MasterChef jokes uh, uh, had to get axed, which made the promo and didn't make the final thing. Because uh, there's a moment where Mel asks, Dill, can I help you? What do you need? And I say, Uber Eats. And they all laugh. And it made the promo. But uh, turns out that MasterChef is sponsored by Deliveroo. So Channel 10 was like, what are you guys doing? Why are you, <laughs> why are you putting that? So we still have evidence of me making the gag because it went in the official trailer, the original trailer, but which is now online and forever. But when he went to broadcast, they were like, what are you, why, why are you putting a rival's company's name in Marvel? They're spending so much money to sponsor this thing. That is so funny. And also, I love the idea that it's deliver, like deliver, because like, we have, I, I don't know if I've seen it, one of, one of the most, not not depressing, but it was just like, I felt for it was I, it was a, it was a new open micer on the scene and I was on my way to a gig <laughs> and it was dumping down with rain and I pull up to the traffic lights and I look across and I see this open micer with a Deliveroo bag, but because it's dumping down with rain, he's drenched. And even the Deliveroo bag is sort of like, like it's, you know how it's usually a square, but then it's like sort of sunken over. And at that moment, I was like, mate, just, oh, just like, I just felt so sorry for him. It was like, you're cold, you're wet, and you still got, like, who knows how many hours he had left on his shift. But I was like, oh my God, can you imagine having to deliver in the rain? I was like, fuck, I haven't done that since I was 15. I was a paper boy. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm always appreciative of those people, especially because of those things like that. I, I try my best to not forget how difficult you even them? a job like that. Can you yeah, tip those? I tip them, yeah. So how do you do that? I'm like, I don't have Uber Eats or anything. Yeah, you can do it as a, either as a percentage or you can do a dollar amount. So, And, uh, they, and do they get all of it? Uh, as far as I understand, they do get all of it, the tip. Yeah, if they don't, that's say. very sad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and fucked I'm, up. Well, really, yeah, but I don't think Uber as a company is known for its looking after its people that well. Ah, oh, uh, yeah. Anyway, look, look, let's not stop an Uber. But, WA, um... I made it. I made it into WA, uh, and I need to clarify just in case anyone is confused about how this all happened. Basically, here's the steps. Uh, I was lucky enough to get a uh, work exemption to Adelaide. South Australia. Uh, and part of that work exemption, though, however, required me to quarantine in Adelaide for two weeks, which our listeners know that I was quarantining for two weeks. And once the quarantine was done, I did that gig, which is incredible. It was 700 people. What a fucking turnaround to go from zero <laughs> gigs for three months to 700 people in a fucking theater, which was crazy. And uh, wild, what a weird shift in my brain to kind of go like, oh my God, there's 700 people. That was the ahead. first gig back after four months. Technically, no, I jumped up at Rhino Room just to do a quick little spot, just uh, to rust, dust off some of the, the rustiness. I'm doing that. I'm doing that uh, huge thank you to the audience at the Rhino Room who gave me a, a clap onto stage that I have never experienced uh, in my career. Uh, I think it's the first time I... I was a genuine surprise drop-in because <laughs> because uh, <laughs> I've done surprise drop-ins in the past. They're like, yeah, but we know we can tell from the silhouette it's that that Sri Lankan guy or whatever. This was like not on the lineup. No one in Adelaide would even assume that I was in town. Why would they, right? And all of a yeah. sudden, um, you know, they said, uh, "You're the Zimon current season of MasterChef. Here he is." And the crowd made me like had a reaction that I've never had before. So thank you to the audience for that. Uh, that was really cool. Um, it was great for me to then proceed to talk about uh, mental illness and my call to lifeline. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so then I did that gig on the Saturday. Uh, and then I flew to WA the next morning, uh, which is really interesting, Benny, because once I because I did everything by the book, above board. I am too scared of authority. I'm too scared of um, ever being a rebel who breaks the rules. You don't want to turn into those two Melbourne supporters right I now. I do not want prison. to be those, yes, who are not only in prison in six months in WA, but they then have to go to prison or go and face the courts in Northern Territory because they broke the law there as well. <gasps> oh, so there's is a it whole, worth it? Yeah. Is it worth it? That's well, the question. They, they, it's one thing to try and, you know, I, I just, yeah, I look, there's a little part of me that's like, obviously like, oh my God, six months in prison, that's awful. But then on the other hand, I'm like, what you, 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 you pretty much said fuck you to 
the rules that we're all kind of trying, you know, try to adhere to, to see a footy match when the rest of the country is trying their best not to, you know, missing funerals and missing weddings and, and important life moments for their families, you go, yeah, you need to be set an example. <laughs> you know but, I mean? but if your team is playing and they haven't won a premiership in 50 years, how many days would you spend in prison just to see that premiership? I mean, it doesn't really count because you're a Hawks supporter. But and oh, Yeah, I've seen time. four of them, mate. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. I've <laughs> seen one in my life. One in my life. But I was like, if Carlton was in the grand final again, I was like, how long would I be willing to spend in prison? Imagine if Melbourne lost and they then went to prison. Oh. oh. Anyway, oh. But then, the point being. They, would, they wouldn't have been caught. That's the thing. Because they were, because they not only yes, because they were celebrating, right? Yeah, yeah, they were celebrating. They were going, yeah, we're in the rooms, go go! <laughs> Here's the thing: it, it seems harsh, but let's just say, on the off chance that they were uh, carrying the virus, that was such a super spreader event that would have wrecked the entire right. WA, you know, system. But so I get, I get the harshness. Look, I, I don't, I, I, maybe I don't, maybe it's not right. I don't care. That's not the point. I'm scared is the point. The point is I'm scared of authority and I don't want to fuck around with the rules, Ben. Have you been arrested? So, yeah, I've spent night or in jail once. Which jail? St. Kilda. Have you not discussed this on the board? We have, we have not discussed that you've been spent a night in jail. In St. Kilda, you got, yeah, St. So you got locked up. St. Kilda police whole... station behind the local laughs. Behind the local laughs. And so what, uh, what, local what, tap house, rather. As the pub what, what, what was it for? What were you doing? What did you get picked up for? Being super handsome. They were like, this is a crime that you are walking the streets as a single man. You need to have a harem of women <laughs> and men who are attracted to other men it's just behind sounds like you. The, sounds like the start of a hen's night. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's much more innocent. I mean, look, yes, I should sometimes be arrested for being this handsome, I admit. But um, uh, because it's a crime to be this attractive to people. But Ben, again, thank you so much for reacting to anything I'm saying no, I today. Wanna, I want to hear the story. You're just blanking. Your eyes were not even looking at me. Anyway, look, uh, so the story is um, back in 2005, I was at a Melbourne University event, uh, the Law Ball. And uh, I got. What's the, what's the Law Ball? No, Law. The Law. Oh, law, ball. law Faculties Ball. I thought it was like some uni thing. Like, hey guys, yeah, yeah, it's Thursday night. Let's go to the low ball. Yeah. And I was at the Law Student Society's ball. Uh, How did you get an invite? You were doing law. Yeah, I know, but I'm fucking man about town, big man on campus. Everyone so you bought a ticket to go to law ball, even though you're not doing law. Yeah, I can't remember who I did know who was doing law. But anyway, I went with a bunch of people. And also, right. it's not uncommon in. Um, to go to each other's sort of balls, you know what I mean? For example, the science ball was huge, held at the Royal Exhibition building, you know? And Did uh, you go to the architectural ball? That was my one. That's the one I went to all the time. Did you? No, yeah, I, did, uh, I didn't go to architectural ball. However, there, uh, I believe their student society was called Apple or something like that. Yes, correct, and, correct. Yeah, and I uh, tried to sneak into the Apple booth cruise. Uh, me and a friend, Johnny, were walking past. We were drunk and we saw the boozers. I'm like, I think I know these people. And I went and said, oh, hey, guys, how are you? Yeah, because I was also the, the I was the the uh, students, uh, what's it called? The common, um, clubs and societies coordinate, the, the basically the officer for clubs and societies for the whole Melbourne Uni, for the union. Um, oh, yeah. So was, you, were, you, were, you were there at open day when they have all the clubs and sports. You go into union building going, what should I join? Well, correct, but I'm not in one of those things. I would have, like, I was basically in charge of making sure that we had everything organized and stuff. It was a paid job. It was basically... Um, one of the you, few paid jobs at Union House. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. I got I got uh, voted on because, again, you know, people love me, Ben. Yeah, that's, <laughs> as <it> clearly as... <laughs> and here's the thing. Here's the thing, Benny. The other part is that I was holding this office, this clubs and societies officer for the whole union. At the same time, I was also the president of the Common Student Society. Now, feels like a conflict of interest, but no, it isn't. Because a couple of years before that, the Common Student Society, with their infinite knowledge of how the financial systems work, disaffiliated from the union and applied to ASIC to be their own entity. So we did not have to follow the wow. rules of the fucking union and we didn't have to adhere to anyone to try and get funding because we all of a sudden, we had heaps of money anyway from all the events we ran. So we're like, we are a not-for-profit organization that this is registered. This is so uni. This is so I know. uni. We registered with the Australian <laughs> Securities and Investment Commission so that we don't have to deal with me. <laughs> no, 
essentially. So, so I was good. I was getting paid uh, at the student union as the clubs and societies officer at the same time being the president of the Commerce Student Society. Uh, and uh, so when you talk about all week going and looking around BDI'd, I was the I was the guy who co-organized me and my friend Patrick. We were the co-student uh, society uh, people. And uh, we basically organized all of them. We would hold the meetings to give them funding and grants and shit like that. And at the same time, I was at the other end of the uni at the Commerce Courtyard running barbecues and piss-ups and booze cruises and pub crawls. That the, ver the, ver the very thing that we were telling our other side not to do because we were like, you can't have a booze cruise, but you can have a river cruise. You can't have a pub yeah. crawl. You yeah. can have a cultural walk around the city. <laughs> Well, because what year was that? What year was that? Uh, 2004 was my first year and it became a law that you can't have a pub crawl because some someone died, I think, crossing the road when they were drunk. Oh, so um, we, we must have just yeah. missed each other. What was so your you uni? So mine was Melbourne Uni. Mm, and, what year, sorry? Uh, and I finished in 2000 and so I went over to Holland. So I finished in 2003. Oh, right. So, we just missed each other. So, so when you left to Holland, I arrived in Australia yeah, five I had months once, later. I had one subject left over, which I convinced the uni to let me do at the University of Amsterdam because uh -huh. I'd planned to go away, but I'd failed that one subject. And so ah. I couldn't visit. So then I had to, then I convinced the University of Amsterdam and the University of Melbourne to then give me credit if I did that one subject, which I then failed over in Amsterdam. Are you serious? Uh, yeah, I failed it over in Amsterdam. And then the only way. <laughs> The only way I was to make sure that I'd pass was like, I'm stuffed because you can't fail the subject more than twice, right? And then that, that would be considered, even though it was I was doing this at one subject, I'd fail twice, that I invited the lecturer out at the club that I got, um, <laughs> that I was managing in Amsterdam. And then I got him absolutely passed. But anyway, the next day I had to resit my exam and I was like, hey, how was your night? He goes, best night ever. Sit the exam. You'll be fine. And I passed. <laughs> what? Because someone got laid, they passed you? Yeah, I was like, I was like, I was like, I reckon I would have passed anyway because I did study quite hard. But at the time, I was like, the guy who failed twice. You're saying that? Yeah, yeah, true, 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 true. But I had to do the whole exam in Dutch. That was also really hard. Like I was like, you know, I can understand and speak it, right. but when no it comes, one forced you to do it. You chose to do it in Dutch. I, I, I totally. Well, I didn't have a choice. So I like. Yes, I was you like, did. You had a choice to not fail the first time. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's true. It's true. I, I, I have, by the way, in capacity as the president of the Commission Society, I sat on a lot of board meetings where people cheated, and um, you know they had to decide, like, make a decision as to whether they, you, you know, what's the punishment and stuff. And as someone who never cheated, and someone who, in spite of, like, you know, like, How really struggled. Oh, there's all kinds of ways, champion. There's ways because you can say that you're an international student and need a uh, foreign language dictionary. And in the dictionary, you can have little um, notes because no one's flicking through it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. What else? Play, plagiarism, plagiarism, for example. How's this, right? So in spite of being a pisshead on campus, I still managed to get some pretty good grades initially in the first, first two semesters, right? Uh, and I still always show up drunk to toots and stuff like that. But, you know, I was a studious kid behind closed doors. And my management 101 subject, which were, uh, had a assignment that I got 90% for out of like a 40% like overall or something like that. I got like, like that. I can't remember the total amount, but either way, blitz, I was like highest in the whole, whole uni at that, uh, for that particular course. Someone complained to the, man uh, the, the, the lecturer saying, this guy shows up to class, always drunk. There's no way he got that mark on his yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. Please look into him. Well, and luckily my, luckily my tutor backed me up because, and also I had all my references. Like, uh, and uh, I just love that, that me being a pisshead but getting good grades pissed someone off so much that they complained to the lecturer going, why is he getting good grades? Well, I, I love that because when you went to uni, that was when they brought out the new system where um, there was a lot of plagiarism where people would just copy and paste assignments from like subjects from like three years ago and then mm. just add their name to it and mm. then work out whether it was the same lecturer or the same tutorial. So you could just submit like a, like everything from subject. You paid like, you know, 400 bucks or whatever for it and then you submit it. But then now that's when the uni introduced it where they would then put the assignment into like a program mm. and compare it to other assignments. But I reckon oh. so many people cheated that way. <laughs> that reminds me, my girlfriend Maddie told me a story the other day. I think she was 10 years old when they had to do an assignment about your um, 
family uh, lineage, like what country your family goes back to or whatever, right? Yeah. And uh, her family, both mom and dad's side come from, or their parents come from England. Uh, and she, as a 10-year-old, thought England's too boring. Everyone's got England. So she researched Russia and just made up this entire story <laughs> that her parents are from Russia. That's and right. uh, and she blitzed the assignment. And then apparently when uh, when she had the parents teachers you know meeting or whatever and the teacher was like oh we're really impressed with madison and how she you know especially when she talked about your russian heritage and then <laughs> mom and dad were like what they're like you know you're, you're russian like and she's like we're not russian and then it all came out that she made up this entire backstory for them just so that she can uh research but the thing is but the, the research on russia was so thorough like she knew you know all the 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 you know the the capital before um moscow was you know petrograd and all these things like all, all, all of that's that cool stuff. I, I like that but also that shows the creative side of the kid like i was i was like you know it shows you know. what a fucking psychopath that i've teached myself to well let's not open that box well her mom listens to this so i know that's gonna get referenced so i can't wait to have this discussion over dinner the um <laughs> hey before i forget is um uh it's like you know how you say like you can't call it a booze cruise like and and also yeah. you can't like you can't call that across anything. It's like it's just for, for the rest of ever you you, just, you can't call it a booze cruise. It can't because it's for the rest of ever. Cruise. Can we make sure that becomes a phrase? <laughs> rest forever. <laughs> um, for the rest forever. But oh I used God. to organize. Uh, uh, what did we call it? It was. Uh, Trolley trams. I think it was something like that, trolley trams, where it was a booze cruise on a tram. But it wasn't uh -huh. like a restaurant tram. So this is when I used to be an activities manager at the Backpackers while I was at uni. So I was uh -huh. just like organize all these things. And then I remember once I was like uh, called up, hired the tram, and then the tram would drive around for like two hours. And then we'd just supply the booze. So we just buy slabs and slabs and slabs and slabs, put on ice, and then everyone starts drinking. And then it was just that moment as we were going through the city, everyone's getting absolutely hammered. It's a lot of fun. I, I'm playing music. The tram driver's just ignoring us all. And then someone's like, I need to go to the toilet. I was like, oh, oh no. And we hadn't thought about it at all like where do people go to the toilet so all i remember is like i'm in charge of like i think it was i think we jammed about 60 backpackers on that tram and all i remember is like getting to the corner of latrobe and swanson and the doors opening and everyone just pissing on that stop and then having to jump back in again and it was it was at the end like the tram driver and i was like and there were people pissing in the back of the tram i was like i'm so sorry and i remember the tram driver going it's not my problem <laughs> I was like, oh, God, some uh, poor fucker's got to clean this up. And I'm like, this is the worst. That like, is so disgusting. Oh, and yet, yet, so gross. Yeah, that's terrible. I am the only reason I'm holding back any judgment right now is because I did something almost as bad, which is being drunk on a tram once. I had, I had a good ability to, like, I used to spew a lot when I drank too much, but I also had a good gauge of the spew battles I can win and I can't win. So, for example, if I knew that, oh, if I pretend I'm going to be okay, this is going to come out at the wrong time. But I would predict that going, okay, in about two, three minutes, I'm going to spew. So I better, you know, be Get prepared. Ready. So there was this one particular time we were doing this similar thing on a tram. We were really drunk. And as soon as the doors opened, it was sort of down St. Kilda Road further away from, you know, necessarily. The you got arrested. <laughs> No, not yet. Uh, the doors open. I spew out the window. And just before the doors close, I pull my head back in. So it was like this strategic chanda that got it out. And then I was back in the tram. Uh, as in, I didn't even get step off the tram. But we have a lot of stories to cover here. My God. So, okay. Low ball. I went to the low ball. Um, I went to the motel nightclub afterwards for the after party. Got kicked out for being too drunk. Uh, fell asleep on the footpath near in somewhere in uh, South Central Melbourne. Oh, uh, no, 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 South Melbourne, where his motel was, and then got picked up in a divvy van, chucked uh, in our hey, where the motel was. Yeah. Why were you at a motel? No, the venue was called Motel Nightclub. Ah, uh, just to say, I was like, okay, go, 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 go. And, motel uh, Nightclub. Okay. My uh, best friend, who uh, at the time was my best friend, in six months was to become my girlfriend, right? <laughs> but at the time was only my best friend. She uh, lived around the corner. So I uh, call her from the back of a divvy van 
uh, saying, hey, I'm about to be arrested, probably deported. Can you please come and grab me and tell them? <laughs> well, I'm an international student, right? I've only been in the country like, you know, totally. a year at this point or something like that. And yeah. so uh, she comes over in fucking PJs with a bottle of water and dried bread because in summer we know that bread was going to sober me up, which is really sweet, I think. However, uh, she then tries to negotiate with the cop saying, hey, my, my friend's in there. I live around the corner. I can take him home. They're like, nah, he's a, he's, it's for his own safety. <laughs> and so uh, unfortunately, I get thrown in the DV. I mean, I kept in the DV van and then they collect a few more people. We get thrown to the jail. So they were collecting people. So who well, else? The- I think there was only one other person or something like that. Either way, we get dropped off at Secular Police Station. I fell asleep at one point. And the DV van, I got to be honest with you, there's no seatbelts there. Uh, <laughs> but- no, no, no. And then when they sort of take the turns, I'm like, surely you're taking this turn a bit too excited. Absolutely, 100%. Right. Anyway, so then we get down and, you know, when you're super drunk, you know, you're in trouble, you try and sober up and you're like, you're trying to look like you're calm and you're fine. And I think I am standing, uh, you know, in front of the, the whatever you call it, the desk where they're taking my, you know, report or whatever. And I'm standing there like Superman with my arms, you know, on my hips, like, yep, yes, officer, I'm fine. I'm okay. And then, um, <laughs> so they're like, uh, suddenly, suddenly I was like looking, staring at them. And I could just all of a sudden, I was like, oh, that's really weird. The ceiling is coming down. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, the ceiling's not coming down. I'm just falling backwards. <laughs> like, just imagine like Superman pose straight, just falling right back like that. That's how maggot I was. And so the cops caught me and they're like, they're like, oh, you're right, mate. And I said, nah, bro, I'm fucked. And they started laughing. And I was like, I should get into comedy. This is great. <laughs> that was your first gig. And, uh, and then uh, then I go get chucked into this cell. And it's like this fucking cold concrete block that you're meant to sleep on. And I fell asleep. I wake up and <laughs> I wake up. There's a, a, um, a guy crying you know, on the block, in the cell block, inside the jail, in, in the little... So you're not sharing cell. with anyone? So, so so I fell asleep alone. I woke up and across me is another like cement block that uh, another person is there crying, right? And I look at him and he's this, this Asian kid, right? And my brain immediately goes, ah, it's a fellow international student, of course, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I said to him, man, it's all right. There's nothing to be upset about. Like, I'm trying to be empathetic. I'm like, man, I've just, I've checked with the cops. I asked them if we're getting deported. <laughs> They're like, no, no, it's nothing. You're fine. Just, you know, they just want us to sleep it off, bro. It's fine. Don't cry. It's all good, man. We're going to be okay. And he goes, I'm not crying because of that. I'm crying because you're snoring so fucking loud. <laughs> I thought and, he was like crying because he got pepper sprayed. No, he's like, I can't sleep with your snoring. I just want to sleep. I'm like, all right, all right, sorry, Winja. And then uh, in the morning, I wake up. He's gone. Who knows where he's gone? Five o'clock, I'm kicked. He's like, all right. So the police officer opens the door and he goes, congratulations. You got a get out of jail free card. <laughs> then, oh, how many times he used that one? Oh, man, he, the delivery was so spot on. He must have practiced uh, that a lot. <laughs> And then oh. they're handing me over the different things like one by one because it's obviously the report says what was my belongings that they have to give it back. So it was like camera. Remember those digital cameras back in the day? I had one yeah. of them. Uh, they're like wallet. And then he goes, he holds up a, a, a lip balm that was pink, uh, Blistex or whatever. And this is, remember, this is 2005. So, you know, toxic masculinity was full-fledged. He hold, the, One of the officers yeah. holds it up and goes, Oh mate, come on! Don't tell me you're walking around with pink lipstick. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> my choice, my body, my choice, officer. I didn't say that I was scared, but then what really threw them off is he's he's like, what the? F-? And I'm like, what? Because it says you had a tennis racket. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm meanwhile, by the way, I'm like in a formal suit. He's like, why are you with the tennis racket last night? What was that about? And why? And I was like. I don't know. I didn't remember a tennis racket because it says I have to give you a tennis racket back. I don't see a tennis racket here. And then we realized the tie that I was wearing, the print was tennis rackets on it or something weird. Ah, uh, <laughs> okay, 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 okay. So okay, someone okay. was being a dumb cunt at the office going, oh, who's put tennis racket here? Anyway, 
I get kicked out and then I sent home no criminal record. In fact, when I was applying for my citizenship or PR, you have to do a police check. And I said to the lawyer, I'm like, hey, um, so only thing I should flag is um, there was this time I got arrested and I just spent in lockup overnight. Uh, is that going to be a problem? And the lawyer goes, oh, nah, it's probably going to help you because it shows you're really assimilating. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love that i love that That's, do you um, really is that the culture of this country that it shows that if well, you get it's funny i i've never i've never i've never been locked up i i've you know have, have had encounters with the police but i've never been arrested like and and which you know speak to my friends is very surprising yeah considering um, how much illegal drug dealing you did I, I, for the record i've never done any illegal drug dealing at all um just but, legal ones no, I mean, look, to be honest, it's all booze. It was all booze because I'd find myself all the time, like you know, like in situations where you know we, you know, I think cops pulled me over once where I was very, very drunk. I don't remember, but a friend of mine couldn't find me, and they found me, and the cops were putting on uh, gloves, and I was yelling at a car, <laughs> and the car had a cover over. It. You know, like the cars, you know, like old vintage cars have a cover to protect them from sun and rain. Yeah, and I was and yelling at the car. Dutchman. Yeah, and I was yelling at the car, going, take the cover off, just be yourself, <laughs> right? And then my mate said that when they came over, they were putting the gloves on, and they were like, is, is he with you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, with you. And I was like, I was like, oh, Stewie, Stewie. And he's like, yeah, I'll take him. And then she was saying the next morning that they were like, they found me, but I was like in a really dodgy part of the neighbourhood. They were like, we were going to take him anyway just to get him out of here because – Someone's going to mug him. Someone's going to do something to him. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, like, like I, I, I'm always very, I'm always quite grateful for the fact that, A, I mean, I injured myself a lot, hence why my left ankle is so stuffed because I rolled it so many times. But the fact that I didn't hurt myself even more. Like, like even then the, the worst one, if I think about the worst one is, have you ever drunk drive? I don't have my driver's license. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, but, uh, well, okay. The truth be told is I do have my driver's license in Sri Lanka, but I was very strict about that. In fact, had a huge bluey, uh, bluey, a blue, no, no, no. I had a huge blue with a friend, um, because I refused to get in the car with him. This is back in Sri Lanka, uh, because I thought he had drunk too much and I was like, nah, give me your keys. And there's like, nah, I'm fine, man. I'm fine. Don't be a fucking pussy. And I'm like, all right, well, you go ahead. I'm not driving with you. So no, it's, 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 I think, I mean, that's probably the one thing. If I think about the TAC commercials that were just drilled into us into the nineties mm -hmm. and that's when it really kicked off where that, like, you know, if people who listen to this, who grew up here, it's like the nineties one with the combi van hitting the truck. Um, Katie. My, my brother, Joey. Is it Joey? Joey's... Who was the guy who he's like, his brother has died in and he doesn't know it yet. And he starts screaming for the brother. Oh, that does sound familiar. Uh, that does sound fam yeah, that does sound familiar. But the one that gets to me is Katie Benyonese. Now, me saying that to the listeners is just like you, you just know exactly what that commercial is because it's just a woman in rehab afterwards who's just severely injured and she's doing rehab. And if he's just like Katie Benyonese, and I remember that that really struck me. That I was like, I don't ever want to drink drive. And I remember. Can you actually just finish the story with Katie Benjamin's? What is this? Oh, it's, she's, uh, the, the, she's just on a like a you know the a parallel bars. You know the parallel uh -huh. bars. So it's just her in a rehab center at yeah. the end of the commercial, um, and she's got scars all over her face and all down her legs, and she just can't walk properly. And the physio's just like Katie Benjamin's, and she just breaks down because she can't. Ah, uh, right, right. Like okay. it's full on like it's full on and yeah. and like you speak to like anyone, they you should know, have changed their name to annie and then just played michael jackson's annie are you okay are you okay annie i don't think okay. i don't think it would have had the same effect <laughs> <laughs> but you know like because i remember speaking to my dad and my dad would just talk about how everyone in the 70s and like 60s 70s everyone knew someone who died drink driving like it was just come on back then there were no seat belts in the back like it was, it was just, it was just pretty normal. And the one and only time I did it was I was working at a pub club in Melbourne called the Depot, um, which is on oh, Swan yeah. Street, yeah. which uh, 
which was uh, which is where pretty much I can describe it. It was a gigantic pub slash club where people from the outer suburbs would come all the way in and just go to that venue, and that's it. Is like, what Luke Darcy's place now? Is that the one? Yeah, yeah. So now it's called the I think the Provincial, I think it is, or something like that. Um, which is now oh. Luke Darcy's place. So that was that was my first pub job, and I remember Dirty Depot we used to call it. The yeah, it's and it was the. It was one of the funnest jobs I'd ever had. Like I started off as a, a bus boy. Mm. I think I started off as a, a bus and then a drug boy. dealer. I then, and then I, can we stop saying I've never been a drug dealer? I don't know. You know, you know what's funny. Know. You know, you know what's so interesting. If you had just ignored me and the, my stupid bullshit allegation, which is not true, that I would have like gone, oh yeah, whatever that drift didn't work. But because you were like, for the record, I'm never a drug dealer. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna push this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get one. Never will be one. I am going to start peddling this rumor that Ben Lomas <laughs> from Fit Bed Pub. Imagine we could use the publicity. We could use, we could use the money. <laughs> what? Of drug dealing. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Ben. So you, well, okay, so this is Depot. Were you, uh, what kind of drugs were you doing dealing then? <laughs> You're a dickhead. But I loved working at the Depot uh, purely because it was, that's where I saw the drunkest of all drunks, I reckon. Yeah. I, I, think, I think nothing, because what the venue manager did at the time was this is, again, talking about it, we're talking about digital, um, digital uh, you know, phone, uh, digital cameras that were coming yeah. out. Yeah. So to keep the buzz going and to get people to bring their digital cameras because, you know, <laughs> people are taking photos of the show, he would hire people to so people would get excited to take photos of. Example, number one, he'd hire lookalikes. <laughs> oh, wow. So we'd have like we had a Pete Sampras lookalike, you know, that shows how we had uh, we had uh, Pat Rafter uh, lookalike, we had uh, Leonard Copeland. No, he was actually there, but it was just like we had like all these like lookalikes, and then he decided to take it a little bit further. He's like, oh, now we've got the guy with the biggest mullet in Australia, and he would come down and we, and he wouldn't pay him; he'd just give him free drinks. He'd just go around getting drunk, and then people would get photos with him, and. Uh, yeah, and look, I'm not going to give any more other examples because yeah, <laughs> yeah because but, it might be incriminating. Hey, speaking yeah. of, I got my phone up and I typed something in. Do you know what I just typed in? What? Ben Lomas drug dealer. I'm getting it going. <laughs> Google. I'm gonna I'm gonna edit this out as well. No, <laughs> I'm gonna edit this out. What do you mean as well? We haven't edited anything else out. What are you talking about? Hey, uh, just side note. Okay, well, you know what? You know what comes up when you type in Ben Lomas? The suggestions. What? Ben no. Lomas' wife, Ben Lomas' comedian, Ben Lomas' weight loss. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Anything else under that? No. Ben Lomas, who I, I think him. Ben Lomas' <laughs> wife, though. I'm not yeah. married. <laughs> Mine is Dilruk Jaising, a weight loss, Dilruk Jaising, a wife, and Dilruk Jaising, a master chef. Ah. Dilruk Jaising, a wife is an interesting one because it just gives some suggestions. It's Nina Yama is the first one. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, and there's also this bio that's written for me. Do you want to read this bio? That's written on this. Uh, it's called AussieCeleb.com.au. Dilruk Jaisinger rose to fame after appearing on TV shows like Live on Bowen. <laughs> no. <laughs> Live on Bowen. Channel 31. Cram. Have you been paying attention? And here's your problem. He's a sought-after comedian. Also performed at Melbourne International Comedy Festival Awards. Uh, I'm a real celebrity. Get me out of here. Set to tour. Uh, 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 his comedy show, Victoria's Line. Despite his rising popularity, little is known about his personal life. Is Dilruk Jaising married? Who is Dilruk Jaising's wife? How much is Dilruk Jaising earning and net worth in 2020, right? Here's, here's what we know about Dilruk Jaising. Uh, <laughs> birth name, uh, Dilruk Jaising, slightly off. It's officially Ishan Dilruk Diaz Jaising. Yeah. Uh, Aquarius, that is correct. Birthplace, Sri Lanka, correct. National career background, accounting, correct. Um, uh, blah 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 it's just my bio where's the wife's oh, okay the 38 year old sri lankan i'm fucking 36 has made big comedy scene but is he equally lucky in love the question is up in the air dilruk jai singer rarely posts anything about his partner or girlfriend on social media it's not true look at my most recent post of maddie platform also doesn't provide any hints of it uh in uh, you can barely see him posting beside his potential girlfriend or instagram however if he was married some of his online bios need to be updated um, since it's not <laughs> the case, Jai Singh is probably unmarried and doesn't have a wife or partner. However, we are not ruling out the possibility that he's keeping his girlfriend or partner away from the spotlight. Uh, earnings, this is the part you'd love. Um, 
A handful of sources, including Celebrity Net Worth, assert the comedian has an estimated net worth of over $1 million. Loaded! He's loaded! Loaded! <laughs> oh, man. Oh, they got photos of my friends from my friend's wedding in there. Anyway, look. Uh, a million, a million is, dollars a year. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'd be yeah, happy with that. Yeah, it's nowhere near the amount of money you're earning as a drug dealer. But uh, <laughs> stop saying that. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> that's, the, that's what's annoying me is like, you don't know how. Um, like the fact that you're getting annoyed is just it's fucking annoying. cool. Anyway, uh, so you don't deal drugs. Is that the official you're, statement? You're, uh, you're, you're a dickhead. No, I'm you're just saying. Oh, he's denied. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. He's denied. Not. Put, that him, him. Him. Put that on the buyer. <laughs> Put that on the buyer. Friends with a drug dealer. Anyway, listen. Here we go. Speaking of law, criminal, this is where it all started fucking 45 minutes ago. Me trying to tell you a story of landing in Perth. Oh, yeah, fuck. <laughs> okay. Jesus Christ. Oh, mate. This is the weirdest fucking podcast we've done, I reckon, because of how much... Uh, I so guess many tangents. And how much excitement we have to be feeling somewhat freer. Because let's be honest, the last time um, uh, we did the one-on-one, I, you were free, but I wasn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, look, hey, the kids are going back to school full-time this Wednesday. Oh, wow. Full-time. Full Mick has been home for the last two days. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so uh, I get down in Perth. They say, get out your G2G pass, which is the uh permit that you got to apply for for WA, which I had. A green sounds permit. like it's a conference you're attending, <laughs> yeah, correct. G2G permit, and then uh, I and also your driver's license, right? Yeah, and I pull out my passport and I show it to her, the lady, and she goes, Oh, can I see your driver's license? I said, I don't have one. They're like, why not? And I'm like, I'm a pisshead who doesn't like to drink and drive. <laughs> I didn't say that, but, but that's the, the part of the reason. And so I said, uh, here's my driver's license. Uh, I said, don't have a driver's license. They're like, oh, okay, we just need a proof of your address um, in South Australia. I was like, oh, yeah, I have my Airbnb. You see where the problem is? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. Well, what's your issue? So you're the lady uh, processing my entry. What's what's why did you start laughing? Well, well, then how do you prove? Where's your where's your ID? What ID do you have? You don't have any ID. I have a passport. Oh, what's wrong with that? That need they need a proof of residence. So (laughs) please tell me she thought you're a legal immigrant. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've got an Aussie passport, Benjamin. Ah, that's right. Okay, okay. That's no, right. so okay. it's about where basically, you know, the rule is the 14 days prior to landing in WA, you're allowed to be from Adelaide, you're allowed yeah. to be in, in Northern Territory, what, uh, Tasmania, right? All other, all other states and territories have uh, issues with getting into WA. Now, she basically wanted me to prove that I'm a South Australian resident. <laughs> I am not a South Australian resident. <laughs> I am, however, Victorian who has been in South Australia for 16 days. So I haven't broken any rule, right? So I get there. She's like, uh, I said, I got an Airbnb. She goes, oh, Airbnb, how come? Like, where's your, where do you normally stay? I was like, Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> and, she, I, and she goes, oh, I didn't realize Victorians were allowed into South Australia. I'm like, no, they're not. But I have a work, I got a work exemption, which I had the letter ready to go. Um, and so in order to do that work, I had to quarantine in Adelaide for 14 days. And then uh, in the last two days, I was able to do the work. And now I flew into WA. And then she has a look at the Airbnb. She's like, can I see, confirm that it's paid? Yep, yep, yep. She goes, all right, no worries. And that that's was it. it. That's and it. That's it. And that, can you, so I'm glad you had that reaction because- uh... Because here's what happened to me. I, I went, baggage claim? <laughs> like, just yeah. really high-pitched, like this, like a child. I reverted back to like a 10-year-old. I'm like, baggage claim? They're like, yeah. And she's like, what? No, she said, what? And I said, oh, wh- where do I go? She's like, just go that way. <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it because for the last three months, I've been so tense about this. And because even yeah, though I didn't, I didn't do anything wrong, I haven't broken any rules. I played by all the rules that, WA had, which is you have to be outside of a, uh, you know, a green, you have to be in a green zone or a low risk area for at least 14 days prior to arriving, which I did. Yeah. Right? yeah. I didn't 
I have all bunch of negatives here. So I, I played by the rules. I was just lucky enough to get a um, get a uh, uh, exemption to go to South Australia because uh, in fact, because some people thought I had done some sort of like flexed my celebrity muscle or some shit and managed to get into WA because someone had a go at me and things like that going, oh, I, I, I don't get to see my family, but you get to go and bathe in the sun or something like that. I'm like, no, 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 no. Calm down, everybody. I'm like, I'm sorry that this is such a, touchy subjects for everybody but you know i no, you I, played by the rules i played by, like i mean i quarantined on my own dime for fucking you know two weeks so yeah, it's be making like... a million bucks a year Give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like taxed million dollars you know what i mean like mm. your your stuff is all black money like yeah <laughs> fuck you're an asshole <laughs> man i'll tell you what i wouldn't mind some cash gigs they seem to have all disappeared you know what on that note of showing uh id and then proving where the fuck you are i didn't even think about this a friend of mine has a 17 year old daughter and it's been a nightmare for her because melbourne's opened up you go to a club you got to show id that's fine there's your fake id you got to show your vaccination and that shows your date of birth. Can't get in. How brutal is that? There's all these 17-year-olds who just can't, who usually like, oh, all my friends are at eight. Can't get in anywhere. Can't get in anywhere. Wow. Let me have a look. COVID-19. Oh, date of birth. 33 I know. You're stuffed. Men. You're stuffed. Hey, uh, this is good. Gonna... I, don't, I don't know even know if we can call this a Fitbit episode. What do you call this episode? Uh, this is, yeah, I don't know what it's called. Arrested yeah. Development? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. He's done it again. Uh, um, no, we've got to wrap up. Sorry. We, we have to go. Like, it sucks. But we don't want to. But, yeah, what a, what, a, what a episode. We went down memory lane. That's what we did. We kind of went Well, down can lane. you please at least give the listeners the update about where you are health-wise in terms of your infection? Um, infection-wise, yesterday uh, was big news. I was finally discharged as an outpatient. Um, which is huge. I had my final uh, blood tests, um, and yeah, it's looking all it's looking all very really good. It's uh, I'm slowly healing. I still have all the scars, and I have one that is still healing uh, a bit slowly, which is the original surgery. But again, they did cut through a fair whack of muscle, so it's always to be expected that that will take some time. Uh, final blood tests were all good, everything except one level, which was a bit low. Can you guess what that level is? Uh, was it uh, of your blood test? Like, what do you mean levels? Like, so you know, your, it's like, like, like is yeah. it your stress levels are high, obviously. So cortisol yeah. is to the roof. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing. Yeah, no, so like, your blood iron? sugar was good. Not enough. Uh, me, iron. Not, yeah. Nailed nice. it. So, and I've never, this has never been an issue. And, uh, but it said that uh, my iron was a little bit low and that was consistent throughout the other bird test. But he's like, how much red meat do you eat a week? And I was like, oh, I don't. <laughs> like, it just made me realize, like, I don't eat, like, our family just doesn't eat a lot of red meat. Like, you know, our, my most mom, of it. My mum used to get low iron when she was on her period. Is that what's happening to you? The, that's it. It's that time of the month. Um, and uh, that time of the month to eat red meat. So I am going to have to buy steak. Like, it's a really weird thing that we just like. And then and Minka, all, and Minka, our, all our vegetarian and vegan listeners are so upset with you right now. But, going, There's alternative ways to get iron, Benjamin. There is. And we were looking at that. But um, it's not as tasty. Uh, the professor. Well, I see, I'm not a big steak guy. I've never been a big steak guy. Like, I never grew up with steak and stuff. What? Like, like at a restaurant, I'll, I'll, I'll choose it once in a while. But. Like, I've never grew up with it. Like, you know, as red meat as it gets, as beef mince, and that, that's about it. Like, I'm not I'm not in shops. Uh, like, you know, I might, you know, go spare ribs. But, yeah, so that's the thing. So um, uh, tips. Uh, listeners know how to make a good steak. Love a good sauce recipe. Oh, I, um, I would know. Uh, you, mate, uh, who are you talking to? I'll teach you how to make a good steak, brother. What Go you back need, to the jungle. <laughs> what you need is a really, really hot pan. Here's my first tip. Can I leave the listeners on the tips yeah. that I did? This yeah. is learned from Jock Sonfrillo and Andy Allen themselves. They taught us how to uh, do some staking. Uh, they basically would take, you need a, the first step is to make sure that the steak is out of the fridge for at least 45 minutes. You need it at room That's temperature. Good. Yeah. So that, and then the other end of it as well, don't ever cut through the steak until it's rested for at least three minutes because once the heat, all the blood and the juices are expanded in there so that when you cool down, if you, if you cut it before it cools down, it just falls out of the fucking meat. 
So you need to let it sit in there ah. so it goes in there. So those are the book ending. In between, this technique they taught us is you leave it on the hot pan, uh, you know, lots of oil, let's say for um, um, like, you know, something high smoke point, like, uh, like uh, grapeseed oil. Uh, but you then chuck heaps of butter and in the butter, you put like garlic cloves and, and thyme, for example, like any, any herbs and spices. And then you baste the steak. You almost bathe it. You take the bubbly garlic and you throw it on top of the steak. And you, I've seen that. I've seen that. Yeah. Oh, mate. I make steak like that now and it is divine. Hit us up. How much does, this, how much does the steak cost? It depends on what type of steak you're getting, right, bro? Yeah, good point. <laughs> I know, I know, I know nothing about it. Like it's amazing. Like I know so nothing. We we were in Margaret steaks. River, and we uh, WA listeners would know the Bunbury Farmers Market is a famous spot where you can get some delicious uh, produce as well as meats. Uh, so we got these steaks that were like twenty bucks each. It was so good. Jesus, so um, fucking good. Uh, yeah. So right. so hit me up if you need any tips on how to uh, cook some steak or even quail. Uh, hit Ben up if you need any tips on how to move your drug money. He's got some great tips on that. You're an, you're an asshole. Hey, before we go, uh, how's your back? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh, it. So um, my back is great because of all the drugs I'm on. No. Um, hey, <laughs> this is actually important. Can I, can I just uh, a, a note to finish on? Last Saturday, that is Saturday, the 30th of October, I believe it was, I did my first park run, my first proper proper 5K run uh, since May. Yeah. And uh, Benjamin, I was running with our good friend, Mickey D. Um, I said to him, my target is to try and get under 35 minutes. I'd be happy yeah. with, I'd be happy with around 35. Uh, stoked if I was at 30, right? I came in at uh, 26, 25 minutes and 30 or something. Oh, like so that. you're running, so you're totally fine. <laughs> yeah. I came. This is my first day out on in a park run after after that. And no, it didn't hurt afterwards. Uh, what's interesting is the back held up real good because I've been doing like you know Chris Hemsworth those body workout stuff and uh, during quarantine and oh, things like that. That's great. That's huge. But, but my knee was rooted. So you know how I had like a sciatic nerve issue running down the left leg, oh, yeah, left yeah. part of my leg. So I think there's still some carryover damage from that. So I didn't feel it at the time. In fact, like me and Mick were like having breakfast, had a great time. And then later that Avo, I, I think I had a nap and I woke up and it was like, like just putting my socks on hurt. So I definitely yeah, am not wow. out uh, in the clear. However, yeah, this is not one, your back. This is not your back. Yeah, but it's connected though. It's because the back know, was weak but... and I was leaning on the left leg for so long. So now the question is, Ben, it is Friday, the 5th of November. Do I do a park run tomorrow or not? We don't know. We don't yeah, know. I would say no, but but really? it's just me. Yeah. Yeah, I maybe would, I'll just do I a gentle not, jog. I would, I would not push it. I would not push it. Hey, we've got to go. Um, firstly, uh, I just want to say a big thank you to all the Patreon listeners that have jumped over. We have a cracking new episode uh, that will be coming out in the next couple of days. It was a MasterChef recap. Mm. Um, it's all about cooking. To... Uh, well, cooking. actually, behind the scenes of cooking and not the type of cooking that Ben does in his lab. It's the type of cooking yeah. that we did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how much do you want to punch me? Uh, so much. I really want to hurt you <laughs> in your fucking knee. That's what I want to do. I just want to kick you in your knee and go, oh, gee, did that one hurt as well? But can Fuck you at me. least, you must have been impressed with the way I linked cooking. Come on. The, um, yes. No, no. I'm not giving you any. And again, I'm just going to say anything because you'll fucking link it to it. <laughs> um, Man, but I almost, aim to try and not get you to, to, to edit that out. It's too hard for you now to edit that out. It's too, it is too hard because I also don't have the time tonight <laughs> to edit all this out. So it's just like I have like 45 minutes to edit this, which is not even as long as the episode. I have to listen to it again. So I have to listen to your bullshit when I have to edit it again. <laughs> Fuck. Um, okay, I love so, you, Benny. Uh, love you too. Patreon, $5 a month. Uh, so it's a new episode. We're going to do a couple of MasterChef recaps. Um, uh, and thank yeah, you. Yeah, some uh, behind the scenes all... stuff that we uh, probably, uh, you know, are happy to keep behind a paywall. So let's put it that exactly. way. Exactly. So no, totally. jump on. Love, it's we... uh, five uh, US dollars uh, per month. So yeah, if which you want to. Which gives you access to all the uh, Patreon episodes. Yep. 
Totally. All right, cool. Um, Derek J on Insta. I'm a Ben Lomas comic. Our comedy festival shows uh, will be on sale Ooh. in the near future. So, Ooh. and um, yeah, continue please to stream or watch MasterChef on Channel 10. Uh, Sunday and Monday. Uh, um, they don't need any. They don't need any more plugs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.